I've built a life that I really, really love. And why am I now going to settle for a relationship that doesn't make me happy or doesn't bring just so much joy into the rest of my life that brings me so much joy? You know, like there's only so much that I want to bring into my life. I'm super protective of it because I've worked really hard for it and it's awesome. Welcome to the Big Kid Problems Podcast, based on the comedic social channel all about not wanting to be an adult. I'm your host, the writer, creator, and pretty normal human being behind Big Kid Problems, Sarah Merrill. Now, I've spent the last almost decade making jokes about entering the adult world, and as I've gotten older, I've realized that no matter what your age is, we all have Big Kid Problems. So each week, we will take a funny yet informative look at a specific Big Kid Problem, break it down with our roundtable panel, then have out an expert to help us solve our problem of the week. From love and relationships, career, money, physical and mental health, bad decisions, and just general life responsibilities, nothing is off limits. So thank you so much for joining me as we navigate adulthood together. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, hey, welcome back to another week and another episode of the Big Kid Problems podcast. For those of you who are new to the show, I'm your host, Sarah Merrill, the writer and creator of Big Kid Problems, and I am so excited to have you here, so welcome. Now, I am especially excited about this week's episode, guys. Of all the episodes I've ever done, this episode took the longest to make. And I'll explain why in just a minute. But I am obsessed with this week's topic. It's a big problem so many of my closest friends are going through. So I just wanted to deliver on this one. And it really is a special episode. We are talking about dating fatigue this week. And do you guys remember that iconic line in Sex and the City where Charlotte is like having a full-blown mental breakdown. And she's just like, I've been dating since I was 15. Where is he? That is dating fatigue. And while I think it's always been a thing, I think especially in our generation now with like the internet and all these dating apps, like our dating pool has gotten so much bigger than any generation before us, which is great for a lot of reasons, but it can also lead to this phenomenon of getting burnt out from the dating game. And as you can imagine, it only becomes more prevalent from your 20s to your 30s. Now to talk about it this week, first up on my round table, which is really more of a square table because it's just two of us, but I have on Kelly Henderson, who is the blogger and podcaster behind Velvet's Edge. And many of you may know her from Very Cavallari on E! If you've never seen the show, it's Kristen Cavallari's reality show. And Kelly is her BFF, who is in her 30s and happens to still be single. And I love Kelly on this show. She is so, so relatable. Like, she just reminds me of so many of my closest friends. She's just this badass chick who has an awesome career, an amazing friend group, and so much going on for her that she doesn't want to, like, waste her time on mediocre dates. I mean, like, who can blame her? So we talk about the difference of dating in your 20s versus your 30s, why she refuses to get on dating apps, and the weirdest messages she's gotten in her DMs. Then, guys, our expert this week took me so long to find. I feel like anyone who has been in the dating pool for a long time has heard the same advice over and over again. And I did not want to give you that cookie cutter bullshit. So Stefan Lebosier is a certified life and relationship coach. He has written 10 books 
and counting on love and relationships. He speaks all over the country. He has a massive Instagram and YouTube following. And when I first found him on Instagram, I probably spent like a solid two hours just reading all of his posts because he is that good. He gives some no bullshit love advice that frankly kind of blew my mind. So I was so, so honored and relieved that Stefan agreed to do this little show. And I promise this is one of those interviews that you're going to want to listen to and then re-listen to again because there are just so many gems in it. But I have to warn you, because Stefan is currently on a book tour around the country, we had to do a remote interview, which means the sound quality suffers a little bit. and You might hear a few glitches here and there, but I promise... Once you listen for a minute or two, your ears will adjust and it will just be so, so worth it. And wait, that's not all. So after we get some incredible advice from Stefan, I also just want to drive this episode home with a true story from my girl, one of my best friends on the planet, who just found her first love at the age of 35. She is the quintessential story of dating fatigue, and we'll get into it, but She made up her mind on her 35th birthday this year that she would find love. And you know what? She fucking did it. So we're going to learn all about what she did in our little bonus episode. So stick around till the end to hear that one. It's so fun. All right. I think I have significantly hyped this episode up as much as humanly possible. So without further ado, let's just jump right into it. Stay tuned and we will be right back. Do you guys ever think about how we cut down birds' houses to make bird houses? Weird, right? You know what else is weird? That there's been like no innovation in how we manage our periods for almost a century. I'm serious. <laughs> if you think about it, pads were made in like the 1880s, tampons and cups were made in like the 30s, and that's been about it until thanks. Thanks are period proof underwear that are washable, reusable, and completely absorbs your flow up to four tampons worth. Yes, you heard me correctly. You can use them to completely replace pads, cups, or tampons, which is hella nice to the environment. Or if you want to just dip your toe into it, you can use them as a backup so you don't ever ever have to worry about leaks ever again. It almost seems too good to be true, right? Like they look like normal underwear. Your period goes in, nothing comes out and you stay comfy throughout your cycle. Oh, and the styles are actually cute. I just ordered the high-waisted style in black and they are like the most stylish looking undies I own, which says something about me, but whatevs. To learn more about Thinks Underwear, visit periodbetter.com. And for a limited time, I have a little discount code for our listeners. Just use code BIGKID to get $10 off your first pair. Again, that's periodbetter.com and use code BIGKID for $10 off your first pair. Check them out. All right. Welcome back. I am joined now with Kelly Henderson of The Velvet's Edge. And you may recognize her from Very Cavallari. Yes. Yeah. And so you've got a lot going on. You've got a lot going on. You've got your (laughs) blogs. You've got your own podcast nowadays. I have my own podcast. I started in hair and makeup here in Nashville. So I'm still doing some of that too. So that's what I blog about on Velvet's Edge is just hair, makeup, fashion stuff that I do and all the girly things. All the girly things. I love it. 
It's like my dream, except I don't really know much about either <laughs> one of those, but I wish I did. <laughs> you should read the blog. I know. Yeah, seriously. Um, no, it's so great. But you've been on Very Cavalry now for... This is your second season. Mm-hmm. Second season. Yeah. Second season. And I love your storyline is like all yeah. about like dating and being single <laughs> and your 30s. So I figured you were the right person for this episode, obviously. I mean, I don't really know what to say about that. But yeah, <laughs> E loves that as a storyline for me too. You know, it's so weird for me because I have so much more going on in my life. But obviously, you can only tell so much on a TV show. So yeah, they really focus on the dating because obviously, Kristen and Jay are both married. And it's fun to have kind of this single storyline, you know? For sure. And especially, I don't know about like other single people out there. But for me, all of my married friends are so up in my dating life. They want to know what's going on all the time. So yeah, because you get really bored when you're in a relationship for a long so. time. Like, <laughs> you know, we want to know. Yeah, I guess I can, you know, bring the interesting stories at least. That's, so. <laughs> I'm sure that's true. So that's kind of what's interesting. And we're going to be talking about like the difference of dating in your 30s versus your 20s. Yeah. So what do you think is like the biggest differences from like your 20s dating life? You know, I think the main thing for me is... When you're in your 20s, you don't care. You're just out for fun. You know, you see a hot guy and you're like, ooh, this will be fun for a couple months. And now, you know, as we said, I have 800 jobs basically, and I'm just busy and I'm tired. And it takes a lot to rally to go on a date. So it has to be someone who I'm super interested in, who actually I could possibly see a future with. And we just have that kind of connection, you know? Yeah. So you want to like, before you like, commit to foundation. Like you need to know yeah. like, there's a connection. I need to know if this guy is even worth my time or my energy. You Dude, know? Yeah. I completely understand that. I I used to just hate that so much. Yeah. It's like if I'm gonna put on makeup and then like actually like drink alcohol right. during the week. <laughs> like this is a lot. It's a lot. Like I am not wearing yoga pants. Right. You know? It's like I have to put on a heel after a long day. Are you serious? And go have, you know, conversation with some stranger. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. It, everyone's always like, just go have fun. I'm like, it's just not that is fun, it fun for me. Though? It's like, not. is it? Right. <laughs> yeah. That's not that fun to me. I have so many friends I would rather go spend time with, you know? That's the thing too, is I feel like you're kind of, you're in your 30s, you have like more of your own life established. You're right. like, I have shit I could be doing that's like, I know is going to be fun. Exactly. Then like going on a date with the semi stranger that like fingers crossed it goes well. Yeah. Okay. So we know that like getting into even going on the date is kind of a commitment at this point. So like, what's your, what's your um, like screening strategy? Oh God. (laughs) I mean, I, you know, luckily for me, I have a lot of friends who screen for me. So they'll rule the guy out before he even gets to me. And then I don't know. Yeah, that is important. Screening strategy. The first conversation is a big deal. You know, that to me is if we can have funny banter, I say this a lot, which I don't know if this is fair or not, but I need to know that you can hang. And if I throw out something, I'm super sarcastic and all of that, you know, just, I just like to joke around. So if you can hang, then I'll go on the date maybe. But if you're kind of like, don't know how to have a conversation at all at the beginning, like an hour with you sounds painful to me. Yeah. So are you having that conversation on the phone or via text? There's a lot of texting now. That's just 2019, I think. So usually it starts with a text, a lot of DMs. Yeah. (laughs) But I don't really, to me, I'm like, I'm probably not going to meet my guy on Instagram. So... You never know. You never know. You never know. I guess I should be more open. But I... 
don't always respond to those. Sometimes if they come with something strong, I'll respond. <laughs> I was going to say, since you've been on the show, have you seen the uptick in, in guys sliding up in your DMs? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Big time. Some of them are okay. Some of them I'm like, wow, guy. Yeah. Shoot your shot. Yeah. Shoot I mean, your shot. A for effort, man. Good for you. Oh, wait. This could actually be funny. What's like, what's like the... I want to hear the best and like the worst DM slide in you've gotten. I got one last night that was extremely confusing. Um, he asked me if I had money in a suitcase, if I had a bunch of money in a suitcase and that money was actually my phone number, what would the number of money be? See, it doesn't even make sense when I try to say it. I was so confused. <laughs> was that like a slick way of him trying to get your digits? So. I think so. Dude, it's so, there's easier ways. Do we think it worked? <laughs> no. <laughs> I can't answer that. No, it did not. Did but, you just like straight up ignore or were you like... Yeah. Um, I, I do the thing where I leave them in purgatory. Oh, you know? that's smart. Yeah, because I don't want them to see that I've seen it. So, yeah, that's the, that's what's hard though. Oh man. Cause I get DMs like, I mean, through big kid problems, which is like half the time, like people are sometimes sending me content, like sometimes sending me things. So I'm like, I always open them. And then like once that door is opened, once they can see that you've seen that shit, it's like, you know, game on. on. (laughs) Oh man. So I was actually, I was talking to a girlfriend the other day and she was telling me, I don't know if you do this, but like she requires now before going on any date, she's like, I need a phone call. I need like a that solid... So it's like phone, a phone screen. Yeah. Okay. But here's the issue with that. So I actually agree with that. And I'm a little old fashioned that way. I want to have a phone call. Like chivalry should not be dead just because we're fighting to have equal rights. You know, yeah. I still want to have a phone call or have my door opened. But... I, the other day, was texting with... I've been texting with a guy for, I guess it was a couple weeks. And we kept missing each other for actual dates. So he was like, well, why don't we hop on the phone? I'd like to at least connect with you. And then maybe we can figure out a date that it would work. The only problem was the phone conversation was so terrible that I didn't want to go on the date. So he never got a date, you know? And yeah. I guess it's like that almost felt like the first date to me. Yeah, but at least you didn't have to like... Yeah, I guess it's good on pants. pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was driving, so I did have pants on. <laughs> That's always tough too, I feel like, because I've had a couple of those where you have the phone screen, but then it's like, oh, then he's like, oh, well, so when do you want to meet up? And you have to... Then you're and on the like, phone. never. <laughs> Actually, never. <laughs> Oh, what'd you say? Like, what'd you actually say? Then you need an out, you know? God, yeah. So I ended up, and I was not like a player. This actually never happens, but there was another guy I was texting with that I was way more interested in. And I just told him that I'm not very good at dating multiple people. And so I just kind of wanted to see this one through. And Oh, that was good. Yeah. That's a solid. Hopefully he doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> 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 or he's going to like circle back in like three weeks. Which, you know? you know, the other one could go away by then. Maybe maybe I should go on a date just to see if it's better in person. Phone conversations can be intimidating. For sure. People get phone anxiety, for sure. So I get phone anxiety. Yeah, I used to too. I don't know how I conquered it, but... Yeah, there's got to be like a step-by-step guide for that. It's <laughs> funny because you know you know my boyfriend, obviously. Yeah. Um, and Brandon's a couple years older than me. So he like, when we first started dating, like called me. And I remember like, like, what are you doing? I like saw the phone ring. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> like, oh, what do you, what do I do now? <laughs> Wait, he's calling? Yeah, I it was so... I like freaked out. <laughs> um, 
to this day, he like still talks about it. Yeah. He's like, you didn't answer my call. Oh, you didn't answer? No. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Sent his ass to voicemail. Wow. And then did you call him back? Okay. So we have like like differing, uh, you know, memories of this. Tell me yours. (laughs) I think that I did. I thought that I did. Or I texted him or something like, oh, sorry, missed your call. He says I straight up like ghosted him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, somehow it worked out. It worked out. Whatever. (laughs) It's fine. Real quick, before we jump back into the episode, I'm just going to take a quick sip of my chai latte mix from Four Sigmatic. You've heard me talk about Four Sigmatic by now. They have delicious teas, coffees, hot chocolates, and elixirs that are all made with functional mushrooms. And that, of course, means that they are full of health benefits. They are full of antioxidants and have been known to boost immunity, energy, longevity, and just overall health, which, I mean, it is that time of year, guys. If you're getting coughed on on the subway or have coworkers sneezing all over you, you want to boost that immunity like any way possible. So might as well do it in a delicious way. I mean, am I right? There's also another great feature to Four Sigmatic, and that is that they are cost-effective and efficient. Like, I've been traveling a lot the last few months, and holy shit, it can sometimes be hard to just find a good cup of coffee. I've had some airline and gas station coffees that have honestly made me want to cry. <laughs> and that's why now I always carry travel packs of the mushroom coffee with lion's mane with me, so I can just ask for hot water wherever I am, mix it up, and go about my day for less than $2 a cup. Oh, another great thing I used to do, if you have bad coffee at your office, just order a box or two and keep it at your desk. That's what I used to do. And it was nice to just like have a little treat throughout the day, you know, life hack. If you want to try Four Sigmatic, I have a special offer just for our big kid listeners. Go to foursigmatic.com slash big kid or use discount code big kid at checkout for 15% off. That's foursigmatic.com slash big kid or use discount code big kid at checkout. Okay, so we're talking about dating. All right, so have you tried any dating apps? I actually have not. Not one. Not one. I have not done any. For me, Instagram has a little bit turned into a dating app, but no, I've never swiped right. Not not like a Bumble situation. I'm like shocked. I know. I don't know what it is. For You know, I was in a relationship for so many years when those things got really popular and it just feels so uncomfortable to me. I don't know what... I hate first dates, first of all. First dates are the worst. The I mean, worst. that's just like... And then there's something about like, I just need to meet you in person. Mm-hmm. I need to have that face-to-face interaction to know if there's chemistry. People say, you know, I don't know that you can figure that out with the texting or banter on the app, but I don't know. I just haven't done it. Oh, man. I know. I mean, I've tr- I've definitely have heard enough success stories at you this have? point. Yeah. See, I haven't. That's what's... I'm just like, this does not sound fun to me. My friends who do it, I hear horror stories. Oh, I mean, there's definitely horror stories, like, for sure. Yeah. But, you know, there's always, like, that, like, one... I feel like there's, like, probably a good, like, 10%. Maybe even more. I don't know. I think there are statistics out there. I would love to know the number you're talking about of people that it's been successful with. Yeah. 
I mean, <laughs> you're like, like I have the in. one friend. <laughs> <laughs> I know like one person. I actually yeah. I, like read about one person. Yeah, I read about. <laughs> no, I have. I feel like I went to like a Bumble wedding. Like they met on really? Bumble. Yeah. Wow. I know one couple and they're actually not very happy in their marriage. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah, again, not seeing the upside here. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you were going to try anyone, what what would you try? That is also a good question. I think... Okay, so this is a conversation I had on Very Cavalier too. Jay really wants me to get on a dating app. He thinks I'm you know, being very short-sighted with this. So we may try that. He told me he'll run it for me. So oh, there that, you go. For me, that was a selling point because I don't have to run it. He's going to weed out any bad participants. Does that scare you at all? Having Jay Cutler <laughs> right here <laughs> dating I profile? Love I love it. I think because he, he knows me really well. He's a really good judge of character. And he's going to rule out all the douchebags, you know? So oh, then by God. the time they get to me, it would be the good candidates. Oh, my God. I know. But I feel like like a Bumble or those kind of things maybe don't get into the personality types as much. So maybe I would do like a Match.com or I don't even know what the, I don't even know what the popular ones Kelly. are anymore. I know. No. So I just aged Farmers myself. only? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Mingle. Yeah. <laughs> But like Times haven't changed. Something that's not just so swipe right. Yeah. It's no, like, I I do think that is the problem with it. Is yeah. it so like looks based? Totally. And it's kind of annoying. Right. Because that's not everything. And I feel like when we're talking about like the differences between like dating in your 20s and 30s, don't you think like that's like a huge change? Like I feel like in my 20s, Absolutely. I was just like, who's the hottest dude at the bar? 100%. And then you realize, you know, six, six pack abs can only get you so far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You need more of a connection. If you're looking for a partner, it's way more about looks. And mm-hmm. then also, once you get to know people a lot of times, if their personalities are really good or fit yours really well, they become so much more attractive. 100%. So how can you tell? Yeah. How do you just tell that by swiping right? It's true. It's true. Well, it's just it's kind of like a way, I think, of just like increasing your range of dating pool, you know? Because like your friends and your friends of friends like is only so big. And then if you get the internet involved, it's like, you know. Well, that's what... So, you know, that one Raya, it's like, there's... I guess there's celebrities on it. Yeah. It's like exclusive. Yeah, you need to get on Raya. Well, I've had people suggest me or send me invitations and I don't know. So I guess I could, but the other thing is, is I work in the music industry here and I'm like, is that not just the same circle of people that I'm already dealing with, you know? Well, I think the thing with Raya is it's not just like your area. Okay. It shows you like other regions too. So like if you're right. frequently in LA or like doing stuff yeah. in New York, it shows you like dating pools from those areas too. Yeah. I don't yes, know. I, I actually had, don't know. I might be making that up. Could, no, I think you might be right. But I haven't <laughs> had the best success with serious dating in the entertainment industry. That's another yeah. issue I face. So... Maybe that's what's deterring me. Yeah. I have all these excuses, don't I? God, I'm <laughs> listening to myself and I'm like, damn. No, I mean, it is, it's, it's, it's tricky. And like, especially like we were saying, like, you just don't want to waste your time on Right. Like, and I think I am a little more old fashioned than I give myself credit for. Or like, that's just, I want to meet someone naturally, have that connection, still have some chivalry. Yeah. I don't know. Whoa. 
Yeah, 2019. I'm asking for a lot here. (laughs) No, it's good. But also respect me as a woman, you know, in business. Right, I know. (laughs) I feel like you get like three things. It's like he either has to like respect you as a woman, have a job, or like be above six foot. Like you you don't get all three. (laughs) Have a job. These are the standards these days. (laughs) Just kidding. kidding. Kind of. But I mean, that's actually what it's like out there. I know. It's it's brutal. It is brutal. Okay, wait. We were talking about Jay handling your yeah. um, your online dating, which I kind of hope happens just like to watch that. I feel like it would be <laughs> right? really fun. But he, I feel like I've been watching the show and he gives you like actually like pretty decent dating advice. Yeah. I mean, as I said, he is a very intuitive, perceptive person. So he's known me for years. He's seen me through a couple different relationships. And I think he knows me well enough to know what I'm doing right and what I'm doing wrong. So he'll call me out on my shit real fast. Those are good to have. Those are really good to have. So I mean, he is good that way. Sometimes I get a little frustrated when my married friends try to give me dating advice because I'm like, you guys have not been in the game for what, 10 years now? Like slow your roll here. Yeah. The game has changed. The game has changed a lot. And so they have all these tips they want to give. And I'm like, is that what you would be doing, Jay Color? You would be on a dating app? No. (laughs) So (laughs) shut up. Wait, what's like the worst? What's like the worst tip you've ever you've ever gotten? From Jay or just people? (laughs) Well, Jay, yeah, because I feel like that's funny. (laughs) But like also from your married friends. Um I'm trying to think of the worst. I think the thing just they reiterate over and over is you just got to be open, put yourself out there. And they don't necessarily factor in things that I've been through or it's just harder than I think they make it a lot of times. You know, it's hard to keep getting back up and keep doing it again when you have been through it a couple of times. And I think that if they were in my position, they would be feeling the same way. But yeah. They've been out of the game, like I said, for so long that they're just like, oh, it was just when I stopped trying that I met the love of my life. I was just going to yeah. say that. I'm like the generic dating advice that you get that's like just the worst. I feel like that's the number one. It's like when you stop looking. Exactly. <laughs> and especially once you get older, you know, of course, you're looking for a partner. You want to build a life with somebody. And I'm to the age where I really have to think about you know, kids and do, make decisions based on that. So of course, I want a partner in that. I don't want to be doing yeah. that by myself. But I can't... So it's on my mind. Like I can't just tune it out and go, oh, I'm going to forget about dating. That, that's your 20s. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. In your 30s, it's just there. It's a lingering thing. So yeah. I think though it's like almost something not even to shy away from because it is a factor. It's like yeah, but I feel like in your thirties, that's one of the biggest differences. Is like you're just taking it way more seriously. Exactly, and I just yeah, I'm not gonna waste my time on the bullshit. Yeah, it's funny. I was asking my boyfriend about this like before we were recording. Yeah. I'm like, from a guy's perspective, like, what's it like dating? a 20s girl versus like a 30s girl. That's a good question. I know. And he he said the same thing. He's like, 20s, he's like... Because I thought this was actually pretty funny as he was saying, because guys like on their dating app profile or whatever will put their range pretty broad. Like, of course. You know, like they'll make that (laughs) that age range like 25 to like 41, (laughs) you know, like just keeping all their options open. Of course. But he was saying, he's like, yeah, you match with like a 25-year-old girl and you're like, yeah, like this could be fun. You know, just thinking it's like whatevs. And he's like, but then like your 30 something girls, he's like, you're going to take those dates like way more seriously. Like that's potential like marriage 
So. Yeah. I had a guy say to me recently, let's just have fun and see what happens. And I was like, yeah, so about that. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not 25 and um, that's not where I am anymore. You know, I'm wanting some intention behind dating. It's not just, let's just have fun and see what happens. Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. No, thanks. good. Actually, I'm like, good. I'm having a lovely yes. evening, like Netflix at Swipe home. Swipe that's yes. fun for me. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. But I think that, like, that's not necessarily like a bad thing. Like, I think. Sometimes I remember like in my 20s being like so fearful of like, oh God, I don't want to be in my 30s and mm-hmm. like still doing this or still dating. Totally. And like at the end of the day though, I feel like, you know, when you're in your 30s and you're still dating, you're still single. It's because you like you're fucking doing something right. You know, like you're killing it in your career. You have like another, you have like this whole other life that's like pretty fulfilling. And, yeah. you know, I just think that people... and. I have some younger audience members who are probably listening to this. And if you're scared about being single in your 30s, like, fucking don't be. No. And I think I for sure was that way. If you grew up in the South, it's like, oh my God, you're 30 and single. And I, yeah, you just, there's a lot of bad juju around that in the (laughs) South. But for me, it's kind of gotten to the place where I love my life. I've built a life that I really, really love. And why am I now going to settle for a relationship that doesn't make me happy or doesn't bring just so much joy into the rest of my life that brings me so much joy? You know, like there's only so much that I want to bring into my life. I'm super protective of it because I've worked really hard for it and it's awesome. Yeah. So we'll see. (laughs) Hopefully there's a guy that can come in and match me there, you know, and just meet me halfway. And that's all I really want. And that's what you want in your 30s too. I don't want anyone to take care of me or fix me or anything like that. I just want them to show up. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that's a big thing too. Is like you're not waiting for some guy to like, you know, do all the things for you. The fuck you did it for yourself. Right. Exactly. Hell yeah, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. All right. So well, if you know that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's your, what's your type? P.S. Uh, just in case there's some guys who are wanting to slide into your DMs. Yeah. Um, my type. I don't really... None of my boyfriends have ever looked alike. So it's definitely not a physical thing. I love someone who can make me laugh. And I, you know, we said the things of, I want him to have a job. <laughs> really, it's just... I want <laughs> Don't be a convicted felon. Yeah, those would be nice. Those are good qualities to have. But I just want someone who wants similar things to me and we can have fun. We can laugh and... They have their shit together. Yeah. I don't know why that's so much to ask. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny how like the list, the list, we were, I was also thinking that too, like in your early twenties, you have like the, I had, I think I still have my list in my phone. Do you? I think I do actually of all the things that I wanted in a partner. And like, you just, you fucking, (laughs) (laughs) but like you actually focus on the things that are actually that matter. Well, you start to think about what forever means and Mm -hmm. what future means and, you know, what buying a house with someone would would mean or having a kid with someone, the actual like qualities of that, not just, oh, he's hot and we're fun. Yeah. Like a six pack doesn't like mean forever commitment and somebody you can like trust your whole life. And do you want to know like the most attractive thing to me would be someone who's been through some shit and they come out on the other side and learn something about themselves. Like a divorcee, I keep being like, yeah, I'm so in the market for that. (laughs) (laughs) At this age, those kind of things, when you've figured out yourself and done some work on yourself, like that becomes so attractive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like that. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, <laughs> Kelly, thank you so of much course. for being on this episode. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And we're going to keep watching the show and see, yes. see yeah. how this all pans out. <laughs> if we uh, want to follow you in other areas, because you have a lot of awesome things going on, where can thank we you. where can we find you? Um, so on Instagram, I'm in all social media, actually. I'm at Velvet's Edge. It's V-E-L-V-E-T-S Edge. Um, and then my blog is velvetsedge.com. So there's all sorts of fashion, beauty, just lifestyle tips on that too. Where did um, the name Velvet's Edge come from? Um, you know, I started it back in the day with another friend of mine and we were just trying to find some stuff that either worked for our personality, it described our jobs too. We went back and forth with a million names that were terrible for weeks. But these two words were really kind of... they. they encompass this the soft side and the edgy side that we think all girls have so awesome yeah all right well thanks so much thanks. see you next time stick around and we will be right back with our expert of the week i learned something recently that shocked me Did you know over 19 million women in the U.S. lack reasonable access to something as fundamental as birth control? The existing healthcare system can prevent women from getting the care they need, whether it's insurance barriers, income, or physical location. But fortunately, we have an exciting new sponsor that's doing something revolutionary with birth control access in the U.S. And, well, it's about damn time. They're called Simple Health, and they're here to make your healthcare, you guessed it, simple. Starting with online birth control prescriptions and, yes, free home delivery. I mean, if men can get Viagra online, like, why should birth control be any different? So here's how it works. You go to simplehealth.com slash BKP, where you'll fill out a comprehensive online health profile and a licensed doctor will review your info, determine if you're a good candidate for birth control and write you a prescription for the right method. They can prescribe over 100 trusted brands of the pill as well as the patch and ring. Then your birth control ships to your door for free with automatic refills so you never have to worry about forgetting a refill or missing a pill again. Okay, that seriously happened to a friend of mine a few years ago and she got pregnant. So if you don't want to change diapers anytime soon, that whole automatic refill situation is pretty clutch. Oh, another great thing is Simple Health is free with most insurance plans, so you can pay absolutely nothing to use the service every month. And for anyone without insurance, it's still super affordable. Pills start at just $15 a month and monthly shipping is free for everybody. Now, the annual prescription is usually $20, but my listeners can try Simple Health for free. Just go to simplehealth.com slash BKP or just enter the code BKP at checkout. I want to mention that this isn't a replacement for routine checkups with your doctor. You still need those for your overall health, but it is just like the most convenient, comfortable way to get your birth control on a monthly basis. So don't miss your chance to try Simple Health for free. Just head to simplehealth.com slash BKP or just enter that code BKP at checkout. All right. Welcome back to the Big Kid Problem Podcast. I am joined now, you guys. I am breaking my code. I usually always try and do, you know, in-person interviews. But my man here, Stefan Lebostier, is with us today. 
He is a incredible relationship coach, speaker, author of several books. He's got over a million followers on Instagram, huge YouTube following. And I get it. I mean, I've been going down a rabbit hole on your um, social media and it is like, you have such good stuff, such good content. So I'm so excited you could be here today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Yes. Um, I'm so excited because we're, we're talking about a topic that I've seen you cover on your social a lot. We're talking about just, you know, kind of like dating fatigue, you know, that difference between going from your dating in your 20s to dating in your 30s. And like, I feel like we're just, we're tired, man. We're tired. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen this? I mean, as a dating coach, do you, do you hear this complaint like quite a bit? Like, what are some of the big ones that you hear from people? I mean, all the time, all the time, people are definitely tired. They they claim dating sucks. Dating has changed, uh, you know, and they're just really discouraged about it. But I, I try to get people to understand it, some of this dating fatigue is self-inflicted. And, and we've got to understand how to better date so that we don't develop the fatigue. But also people are... They're so, by the time we get to our 30s, the reality is that we've probably dealt with some nonsense up to that point, some kind of broken heart, unhealthy relationship, something. And so we're carrying that negative baggage into our 30s, and that only compounds what we think is this horrible dating landscape. So a lot of it is just things that we need to change our perspective on and have a better understanding of, to be honest with you. I totally feel you on that. A hundred percent. And I just think it's like, it, it's hard. It's easier said than done, right? You know, like, like how do you even begin to change your mindset? Let's say if you have been hurt in the past, like where are you even, where are you even going to start? Because I think, um, I think a lot of the times, like, you know, we're, we're putting ourselves out there, we're going on the dates and it can just get, it becomes a grind, especially if you're, maybe you're going on the wrong dates or on your, if you're on dating apps and you're just, there's a huge volume, I think, especially in this time um, that we're all living in. And it's just, it's exhausting. So where would you say is like a good place to start? Well, number one, so I got a few places you could start. But the, the one thing that's jumping in my head right now, especially when we're talking about women, is just women learning to trust their intuition. Like, so much time is wasted because women ignore their intuition. It's like, I tell women all the time, you knew on date one, he wasn't it. You, you may have known on conversation number one, he wasn't it. But you give yourself all these reasons to give it a chance, try it out. Maybe you're not seeing anyone else. Maybe you're bored. Maybe you feel like, you know, this is the best option at the moment. Whatever the case may be, one way or another, ignoring and rationalizing past your intuition will always set you up for failure. And it will set you up for these dating situations to get dragged out way longer than they should, which compounds the dating fatigue. So you're already tired of having to go out there and meet different people and go through the whole cycle over and over. But when you add to it, holding on to a situation longer than it should have and it doing more damage to you and it being more disappointing, especially because what's the... One of the worst things is to be a woman who gives this guy a chance, who you knew wasn't it, but you gave him a chance anyway, only for him to disappoint you even more. It's almost like, dang, I gave this guy who I typically wouldn't talk to an opportunity, and he couldn't even do his part. So listening to the intuition to me is like, first and foremost, uh, what needs to change if women want to really break the cycle 
and and start to take back their time, to be honest with you, when it comes to dating. Wait, that is such a funny thing that you bring up because I feel like this is a conversation that I have with my girlfriends all the time. And like, I just, I, and I feel like, especially, um, you know, girls or women who are, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to give you an example. You know, like I have some girlfriends that are just like awesome human beings. Like they're in their thirties. They've crushed it in their career. They uh, have these amazing, you know, lifestyles that they've done for themselves. And then it comes time to find guys. And like, I feel like I'm actually, I'm actually giving the opposite advice, which is like, why I'm like, wow, this is so interesting where I'm like, man, give these guys a chance. Cause I feel like they, you know, (laughs) some of these guys like don't measure up to, you know, the quality that they're looking for. And, you know, I, and I, and I'm sure anybody listening to this can relate to hearing that, you know, like. Oh, maybe, you know, maybe this guy's great on paper. Maybe I don't feel an initial connection, but maybe I'll give it a couple, a couple, another day or two just to see where it goes. Do you think that that is ever possible? Like, actually, like, do you think that's actually possible where you might not have an initial connection, but you can develop it? So connection as I see it, no. Um, because <laughs> <laughs> connection to me is pretty instant. And you can't create it or destroy it. It's either there or it's not. The reality is that when when we think that happens, we're not developing a connection. We're developing an attachment. We're becoming conditioned to having that person there. Um, And for women, it's very risky because the more a woman feels like she's invested in the situation, the harder it is for her to walk away. So even if he turns out not to be the greatest guy, if she spent a lot of time or she's given a lot to him in that situation... She's gonna struggle in a lot of cases. So to me, no, it's 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 either there or it's not. But what did come to mind, and I'm not saying you your friends are doing this, but they would have to consider this, is there's a difference between like if you're trying to logically deduct if every dude you the dudes that you come across, you should entertain them or not, because you have a certain set of standards and qualifications you're looking for. That's where you can end up like not giving people a chance as far as not really allowing yourself to even see if there's a connection there. Mm. However, to me, it's really about forget all the, well, he should have this, he should have that, he should be this tall. If you come across a guy and there's an attraction there, have a conversation. There's a conversation and the conversation you feel there's a connection, chemistry, whatever, go with it. Like, don't get bogged down by the details of, well, he needs to have this, he needs to have that. Because that's where a lot of women shoot themselves in the foot. And I would argue that's where a lot of successful women shoot themselves in the foot. That's so interesting. Is there a line though? Because I'm just going to totally use one of my friends as an... I use all my friends as examples. (laughs) I've been like dating the same guy for five years. So I just like steal all my friends things. But I have this girlfriend who is, you know, she's taking dating very seriously She's going on dates with multiple guys. And like, there's a couple that are like, now she's been on a few dates with. One is a a good on paper guy, right? Like he has the job. He has the apartment. He's like, has it comes from a good family, all the things. She doesn't feel a connection with him. Then there's this other guy she totally feels a connection with, but she's now like discovering some like sketchy things in his background. Like, he has, you know, he won't really like take her out. He keeps like asking her to meet in like public places or like on his rooftop. And like now she just discovered like he doesn't really have a job and he does, he's actually living at his friend's apartment. Like it's not his apartment. So like at what point do you go from 
you know, like, do you think you need both like the connection and like the lifestyle things? Or is, do you think that you could improve upon somebody enough that they would be the right person for you? So I think you, the connection you have to have, period. So if the connection is not there, I'm not going to co-sign entertain <laughs> that guy, period. So the guy who's great on paper, remove him. It's done. It's not going to work. This other guy, you know, sometimes it's the right person, wrong time. And so, yes, it can be developed the other qualities that he needs, but you don't attempt to develop them by having a romantic relationship with him right now in the meantime. Because then you're, you're essentially, you're undermining the process, to be honest with you. Because the reality is that if people have the comforts of a relationship and someone taking care of them, a lot of people drag their feet and, and they're not as on point as they need to be. A perfect example, I have a friend who, she met a guy one time and this guy had like five kids, multiple child's mothers, uh, at the time, a very low paying job and no license. Okay. Damn. And so she, she just let him know, like, listen, you know, he's a nice guy, but these things are an issue for her. So it's a no go. But you know, if he handles that, then maybe she'll consider it. Now, I think six, seven months later, he shows back up. He has his license. He has a job paying him near six figures. He got the kid situation all settled. He came ready to go. Now, unfortunately, she still didn't want him, but that's not the point of the story, okay? The point is that he came back willing or came back stepping up and and doing what was necessary to actually have a chance at her. So I think a lot of women shoot themselves in the foot because they see this guy, they like him, he's not there yet, and they think, okay, I'm going to help him get there by being involved with him romantically at the same time. And that is the wrong move. Let him know, hey, I like you. I feel like we have a connection. But these are things that need to get in order, you know? And there's nothing wrong with that. And if he wants that woman bad enough, he's going to find a way to make it happen. Yeah, I I love like your direct approach because I feel like it's just, it's a little, it's like kind of counterintuitive. Like as a female, like I'd be so nervous of, of hurting the guy's feelings. But I feel like a guy actually probably needs that clarity. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like a goal. It, you know, if he knows the goal, then it's easier to achieve. Yes. You know how they, they used to say back in the days, men like a challenge. Yes. And unfortunately, they, they misconstrued that to be all about women playing hard to get. When in reality, the minute that you involve romantic real feelings... That goes out the window. However, it still holds true in general. Uh, men do are drawn to challenges in life. When he's not, there's something else that's going on there. But that's all to say, so when she says, okay, listen, you get to this and you get me, hmm. he's going to step up. And especially because now he knows. It's, it's hard for a man to feel like, a man wants to know that if I do action A, I get result B. And if I don't know what, doing this action is going to get me, I'm less motivated to do it. Period. Mm. That's just the way it is in general. That's why, like, if I sit down and speak to married couples and I say to a, guy, a husband, hey, you need to kiss her more often. If he doesn't feel like kissing her is going to produce a certain result, he's less likely to do it. In general, when you put that in front of a guy and say, okay, here it is. I like you. I do want you. I do think there's a connection here. But you got to accomplish this for us to take that next step. Oh, He'll embrace it. He'll embrace it if he's serious about that woman. I love that. And do you think that goes across all things? (laughs) 
asking for a friend slash I want to make my fiance do more things. <laughs> yes. So the reality is that men, I hate to say men are like dogs. because I really don't want to say that, but it's like when you create a reward system for certain actions, you're going to see those actions increase. So, okay. I remember one time I read this thing on Reddit and there was this guy who talked about how he wanted his girl, his girlfriend, I think it was his girlfriend or wife to give him more blowjobs. Right. <laughs> and one day she was like, well, come watch this movie, movie with me. It was some chick flick that he really didn't care to watch. But he figured, okay, I'm going to give in and, you know, see what happens. And during it, without him even saying nothing, she ends up giving him a blowjob, okay? So he figures, oh, well, okay, let's see this works again. And it happens again. Now, <laughs> they oh, it's almost like a system where, and I don't think it happens like every single time, but now that he knows, hey, spending more time with my woman and giving her what she wanted, something as simple as watching a movie with her, made her more receptive and willing to give me what I need physically, he's so much more willing to do it. And then he said, the funny thing is now he actually enjoys the movies. So <laughs> he's enjoying the movie and he gets his reward. Everyone's happy. So men definitely respond when they know this action is going to get me this. And again, it doesn't have to be every single time, but as long as we understand there's appreciation there and there's kind of a reward there, yes, it will work. So good. I mean, that's like the golden rule. Like, BJs are the, the doorway to <laughs> everything. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Except I wouldn't be handing it over for like a movie. Like we're gonna have to up we're gonna have to up the ante here. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, I wanted to I kind of wanted to like go back for a, a quick second because we touched on this a little bit. And I think this is so powerful. And I saw you did like a whole YouTube video on this. But I feel like Okay, when I get my, when my single girlfriends are together, it's like the same complaint over and over again. It's like, all right, where is this guy? Like, where the fuck is this guy? <laughs> and so, like, you had something about like the keys to finding like Mr. and I'll say or Mrs. Right for any of our male listeners, but I thought it was so powerful of you if you could get into that a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So, one, let me first start off by saying that good men and good women are everywhere. But we become so jaded and so damaged. And because we haven't healed, we're unable to recognize them. And for a lot of women, even when that good guy makes himself known, she has a hard time believing he's that good. So we have to understand that part of the struggle is a lack of healing. It always goes back to a lack of healing. And so that, that has to always be the true first step if you're trying to set things right in your dating life and in your relationship, even if you're already in one healing from your past will do great things for your relationship. Now, as far as some of the keys that I mentioned, so, I, you know, one of the things, of course, I talked about was becoming Mrs. Right. So if you're looking for Mr. Right, you got to become Mrs. Right and vice versa. And I think one of the key things that women have to realize is a lot of women are becoming Mrs. Right based off of their perception of Mrs. Right, based off of their friend's female friends' perception of Mrs. Right and, and what other people want to put in their head, but they're not really tapping into what is the man's perception of Mrs. Right? Mm -hmm. What is the man truly looking for? So one of the things, because you mentioned you have a lot of successful friends. So, so yeah, so I meet a lot of uh, successful women and then they'll say to me, okay, they're struggling with dating. They can't meet anybody. And they're like, you know, I'm a good woman. I have my own home. I uh, make money. 
I'm educated. I'm all these things. I'm like, okay, stop. Like, those things don't truly matter. And when I say they don't truly matter, it's not to dismiss them or devalue them. I'm not saying that men don't have a respect for those things. However, the kind of man that that woman wants, the kind of man that the majority of women want, his priority of what he's looking for in a woman does not start with her education, her money, or her house. Which Mm. is why, if you pay attention, a man could be a millionaire and he will marry a woman that is a cashier at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> but if a woman's a millionaire, she wants a guy who's of equal value. She wants someone making as much money as her, as her or more or at least very close. So you see, women value those things, the house, the education, the job, whatever. Men, on the other hand, not so much, not, not to the level that women do. And so if a woman truly wants to receive Mr. Right, she has to start tapping into what Mr. Right is going to be looking for. And that is stuff like being positive energy, being supportive, taking care of yourself uh, physically and in other ways. Um, someone that he feels comfortable with and can talk to, you know, and actually believes in him. Like these are the things that are going to separate the woman from the pack because there are plenty of women now who have good jobs, houses and all that. That doesn't mean anything. You know, and I think that's where a lot of women are getting it mixed up. They're they're evaluating themselves on the same using the same scale that they evaluate men. And it's like, don't do that. That that's a mistake. So I think becoming Mrs. Right, but becoming the Mrs. Right that the type of man you're looking for is going to want in a woman is going to set that woman up for great success. And I have tons of stories where this has been true. I think that's so fascinating and so true. I'm like kind of blown away by that, actually, <laughs> because you're you're absolutely right. Like we and you can see that when you look at the, you know, the type of man that a woman is looking for. And I almost feel like, you know, and I've been there, you know, I totally get this, that when you are a successful, if you're on a, a successful level, you know, you kind of think like, well, the guy should be approaching me. I'm a prize. I want the guy to be like coming after me. But like maybe when you're doing that, you're not really showing those qualities that you mentioned. Absolutely. And so one of the big things that women, another thing that women fail to understand is that showing interest and desire goes a long way. And so there was, there's this book. I cannot remember the exact title right now, but in the book, the guy surveys, he does a bunch of studies and he surveys couples after they come, after they got their marriage license and he interviews the men and the women. And when he interviews the men, he asks them a question about like, why did you marry this woman? And one of the most popular answers he receives was because she likes me or because she liked me. And so when women hear it, they're like, that doesn't make any sense. No, it makes perfect sense. What, what we're not understanding is that so many women, as you said, have this in their head. I'm the prize. I'm the prize. I don't know how to approach you. I don't have to make the effort. You have to show me you want me. But in that process, you don't show him you want him. And so now women, women fail to understand the magnitude of men who have been played, who have been hurt, who also are a little cautious. So he's willing to put, put himself out there. But if he doesn't see reciprocation, if he doesn't see that you are as invested in this as he is, that it's going to be likely that he will fall away. He's not going to keep pushing, especially once we're past 30. Because 
Women have to understand, when men were doing that in college and when we were young, you know why? It's because he didn't have a job. It's because he didn't have a life. He had all the time in the world to chase you. Hmm. Not to mention, he may not have been through that heartbreak yet that makes him a little bit more cautious and a little bit more mindful of how much is she invested in me as well. But crossing 30, that man, he's going to be on edge a little bit. And I won't say on edge. That's the wrong words to use. But he's going to be looking for signs of, okay, is she just another one who's going to play me and take advantage? Or does she really want me? And women, because they have their walls up, they don't give that energy. They don't show that desire. And they shoot themselves in the foot all the time. So, and, and I mean, there's a lot more to it, but that is definitely a huge piece to the puzzle. Oh, I 100% agree with that. I think a part of that too is just like, I mean, on both sides, I feel like it's, it kind of, there's a fear of rejection that is kind of at the heart of that. Like we're all a little scared to maybe put ourselves out there, show the guy that we are interested because if he, you know, turns around and isn't interested in us, like, I, I don't know if I could take that kind of rejection. <laughs> like I, you know, what doesn't hurt is like sitting home and watching Netflix and my like PJs. Like I don't have to worry about like getting my heart smashed there. So I get it. And, and I and I completely understand and I agree with you. But in actuality, sitting at home watching Netflix is going to hurt at some point. Some point, if you genuinely want a relationship, you not having one, you being alone is going to become a struggle. And society is trying to force women to say, I don't need a relationship. I don't need a man. I don't want that. It's not important. But it's lies. It's all lies. Because they, the vast majority want a relationship. Men and women. There's nothing wrong with it. And we have to stop running from that reality. Because when we run from it and we stay in denial, we end up hindering our ability to receive it. And now what happens is you're past 30, now you're 40, now you're 50, now you're even 60. And you're like, dang, I spent all these years not really accepting that this is what I wanted, not trying to cultivate myself or or create uh, the opportunities to have this relationship. And what am I going to do now? Mm. And now it's only harder. So to me, it, it still is going to shoot you in the foot one way or another. But I think in regards to the rejection part, Granted, I, I mean, I'm not going to say that women just need to be approaching every man that they think is attractive or catches their eye, but simply smiling more at people is going to make a big difference. It's going to at least at least become more approachable, number one. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just start there. You don't have to go out there, step into men, but at least become more approachable. But also, even past that, once you are engaging with a man, once you are uh, getting to know him and you guys have exchanged numbers, then you need to stop with the holding back and not showing interest. Because it's in that process. He's already confirmed to you that he's interested. That's why you guys exchange numbers. So there's no excuse now. You're either going to step up or you're not. And if you don't, it's going to work against you majority of the time. It's rare that the, the woman can end up with the right guy and be holding back in those situations like that. Damn. There's so, okay, there's so much I like want to <laughs> dive in here. I can keep you here all day. This is dangerous. There's something you said I, I had to, I have to go back to you about like you were talking about like the energy that you're putting out there. And especially like a lot of women, like we tend to be more guarded. Like, what do you think is that attract, like that energy, 
Like, what kind of energy do you think that you need to be putting out that's going to open you up a little bit more? Because I, I, I see this with my friends. Like, I'll have the most gorgeous, like, 10 out of 10 girlfriend at the bar. And it must be the energy because no guy is coming up. Ever, you know, no guy's coming up to her at the bar. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's got to be some kind of, like, energy thing. I know you mentioned smiling as, like, changing that. But, like, is there any other things that you think are, like, you know, as a man, like things that you pick up on? So in general, it's all about feminine energy. Mm. All right. The woman who learns how to tap into her feminine energy and exude it is going to win all the time. All right. And so, so many women, especially against successful women, have either become very detached from their feminine energy. Um, they've also become very conditioned to carrying masculine energy because of the workplace, because there's this perception that they have to be uh, acting in their masculine to be respected, to get ahead, which is all incorrect, let it be known. But because that has become a belief, now women struggle to turn that off once they go into the dating realm, once they're at the bar, once they're talking to a guy, whatever the case may be. So feminine energy is the number one thing. Now, for anyone wondering, well, what exactly does that look like? One of the best examples I can give you is picture some of these women. Or a, a woman needs to picture herself when she's around kids. Some of the most masculine women, when you put them around kids, they become so loving, so sweet, so charming, and they, they don't have any guards up with the child. But you put a man around them and they shut the whole thing down. And it's completely different. So it shows you that it's not that she is not capable of being feminine. It's not that she doesn't have it in her. It's that she is not comfortable exuding that around the man because the child is harmless to her feelings and her emotions. The child can't hurt her, so she opens herself up completely to it. To the man, he is a threat, so she closes off. But if she can transfer that energy, that same energy from the children to the man, it would make a huge difference. Quick example, I had a client one time when I explained this to her, she was like, oh my gosh, you're so right. Because she had this experience where uh, there was a weekend where her son, she had a grown son. So I think she was like in her 50s and her son was like 20 something years old. And she had her boyfriend. So the son comes home for the weekend and the whole weekend she's all, do you need anything? All just being Mm -hmm. sweet to him, loving, using terms of endearment, just being super feminine with with her son, naturally. And when the son was gone, the boyfriend looked at her and was like, why can't I get some of that? Uh-huh. Where, where, where's all this? It's us. You, you, get, you give this all to your son, but you don't give that to me. Wow. No, that is, that's fascinating. And that's so true. And I do think that is like a thing. I don't know if it's like our generation, but like, yeah, we're more in the workforce. We're trying to climb up. We're trying to succeed. We're trying to be entrepreneurs. And you're right. It can be really hard to turn off. And I feel like I hope nobody's like even triggered by that. Like you have to be feminine or masculine. But I do think like, you know, when it comes down to like the chemistry of like, you know, sexuality and like intimacy, like you almost need that like polarity. And uh, to be honest, there, there likely will be some people triggered by this. And I understand, but this is just what the truth is, to be honest with you. And the reality is that, okay, fine. If you're a woman who carries a lot of more, a lot more masculine energy and you don't feel like you should have to change that, that's your choice. But understand, as you just mentioned, there is a, what I call the balance of relationship energy. All right. In every successful relationship, there must be a masculine and a feminine. Even if you look at homosexual relationships, 
they understand the dynamic of having one as a masculine, one as the feminine. It is very rare to see long-term successful relationships, if ever, where it's feminine, feminine, masculine, masculine, in any, whether it be heterosexual, homosexual, whatever. I mean, I, I hope the people who are being triggered understand that, number one, I'm saying this with a genuine desire to help people, and I say it with love, and it's not to offend them, but it is the reality of, of what's going on. And you have a choice to make. If you want a certain type of man, if you want that masculine man who's about his business, you've got to exude more feminine energy. There's no way around that. Damn, it's so true. I, I just went to a, a Tony Robbins conference last year and they talked all about that. And it was really, really eye-opening, especially as like, you know, a female that I consider in this generation, like I, my masculine side has always been more valued. Uh, I feel like, and so that was kind of, it was very, very interesting. And I feel like we could go into that. We could, we could spend an hour on like <laughs> tapping into the feminine and masculine, but I did want to go back to another piece. You said in the beginning, and I want to come back because girls are probably like, wait, I need to hear more about this. But you said <laughs> there are, there are lots of good guys out there. Because I know my single girlfriends would be like, well, then where the hell have they been? Or like, where are they? Like, do you, where are they? Where are they? <laughs> All right. So here's the thing. And, and as we were saying, the perception that uh, good men, there's a lack of them or they don't exist is due to a lot of lies being told, to be honest with you. And a, and a big misunderstanding of how men operate. So one, let me give you one side of it. Every man, and again, let me just make this very clear. This is not to excuse the bad behavior that men engage in, in any kind of way. But here's the reality. Almost any man is capable of being that good man when he's with the right woman. And what I mean by that is, I remember one time I had a roommate uh, many years ago. And we, well, he was in college or we were in college. Or he was in college, I'm sorry. And... He was at some point, he became like a savage. He didn't care. Mm. He was sleeping with women all over the place. He was just like, F your feelings. I don't care. I'm living for me, right? And then one day he comes home from school and he's like, oh my gosh, I think I met the one. This is the first time he met this woman, mind you. They had a conversation that lasted a few hours at school and he was just head over heels. And at this point, he was prepared to cut out all the other women he didn't even want to try to have sex with this woman because he was so concerned about pushing things the wrong way or making her feel any kind of way about things. The man who was acting like a jerk, being an F-boy, whatever you want to call it, for however long he was doing it, instantly was willing to change his ways with the woman he truly wanted to be with. And that's a hard pill for a lot of women to swallow because then it, it makes them say, well, how come then... This guy that I was with wasn't willing to do that. Is there something wrong with me? No, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just that we don't, we're not meant for everybody. And mm -hmm. when we're dealing with the wrong person, it's, it's almost guaranteed they're not going to be what we need them to be, period. So one, that's part of it. The other side of it is that a lot of women are telling their friends only half the story of their experiences. So if your friends right now, and, and I'm not saying your friends specifically, but there's women out there that they went, they went on a date or they met a guy who was a great guy, right? And let's say he did nothing wrong, but she messed up the situation. It is not likely or it is not, it is not at a high rate that that woman's going to come back to her friends and family and say, 
I had a good guy and I messed it up. Mm. That's not what usually happens. She's going to come back and say he was a jerk. He was this. She's going to find a way to validate in her head why this messed up and how it was about him not being the right guy. All right. Now, I'm not saying every woman does this, but a lot of women, I would argue maybe even the majority of women do this. And, and it's for various reasons why they do it. But that in itself creates a perception by other women that, oh, my gosh, none of these guys are good. They're all jerks. Mm. They're all idiots. But it's not true. So I just spoke at uh, Lewis's house, Summit of Greatness, this past weekend. And while I was there, I cannot even tell you how many guys came up to me with stories of women who did them wrong, women who left them. One guy was in medical school, engaged, and the woman ups and leaves him. Another guy found out she, uh, the woman was cheating on him. These are good guys. Like These were guys who were so serious about these women, and they got dogged out. But again, do you really think that woman goes back to her family and friends and say, yeah, I cheated on him. Yeah, I did him wrong. Yeah, I messed it all up. No. <laughs> so women have to understand that you can't what world is trying to sell you in regards to men. Now, granted, there are a lot of men who are simply not where they need to be right now, who are not, who have not grown up, who have not evolved as men. So I'm not letting men off the hook. I don't want to let men off the hook in their own self-development and growth. However, I would argue that there is a lot more good men than women realize. Examples I gave you already are why the perception is all skewed. That's very true. It's very true. And I feel like as a chick, it's like, (laughs) I know for me, like, I'm like, I can never be wrong. Like, of course not. (laughs) (laughs) Just doesn't happen. It's weird. (laughs) Um, do you, do you think there's like any specific signs that you think like are that would like show you like what a good guy is? Again, I think rather than focusing on whether he's a good guy or not, focusing on is he the guy that I need him to be? Mm-hmm. Because again, he could be the good guy, but it doesn't mean he's the right guy for you. That's true. You mentioned so, the connection. Do you think the connection is the first thing you need to look for? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, one of the worst positions for a woman to be in is with a great guy that she's not in love with. Mm. In that situation, do you understand how difficult it is for her to have to validate to herself or her friends and family that she wants to leave this great man because she's not into him like that? Like, that's tough. Oh, That's tough. 100%. I see, too, I think with women, too, and, you know, I'm sure you've probably seen this, but at a certain age... It's like you almost, you, you almost like, it's almost like musical chairs are happening around you and you see everybody sitting down and pairing off and your body clock starts to like speed up. You know what I mean? Like, and you're like, shit, I need to find a chair if I ever want to have a kid. <laughs> you know, like I, th- I think of that too. Like it, it just, it, it becomes a real thing of like you almost, if you're not finding a guy at a certain point, you're like, shoot, do I just need to pick the first good chair I see so that I can like, that I can, you know, have babies if that's something that you want. Like, do you see that a lot of times with people you work with? Absolutely. I see it all the time everywhere I go, but it's the wrong approach. And I mean, I understand why it happens and I, and I sympathize when you're in that position, but you're, so I was just saying, so I have a membership program. I was doing a Q and A with the ladies on there and I was explaining to them that, listen, you have a choice. 
You can rush right now to go find somebody, right? Maybe that relationship lasts three, five, maybe even last 10 years, but you won't be happy in that relationship. And then it will inevitably end. And then you will be back to square one once again. Or, or you can be patient, maybe sacrifice the next year or two, truly working on yourself, not in the vague way that the society likes to say. So maybe we'll say I'm working on myself and they're not doing really anything <sighs> to improve who they are and to make them a more valued partner in a relationship, but really putting in the work for that year. And now when you meet the right person and you have the right relationship with the right foundation, you're set for the next 20, 30 years. Mm. That initial sacrifice is worth it. The problem is that we expect to receive the relationship without any real work. And that is where we're going wrong. But if we would all, and this is for men and women, if we would put more energy into our self-development, and again, not just in the ways that friends and family and, and society tells you, but in developing yourself in a way that says a partner, the type of partner you would want, would love to have you, we would get exactly what we're looking for. Yeah. I I, I feel like it's almost like a, t- a sign of the times too. Like we all just want like instant gratification. And it's, it's mm-hmm. hard. It's hard if there's a good person in front of you to really, you know, be like, you know what? I'm going to wait and be patient for the right person. So I, I feel like, you know, I, I, get, I get it. But I think what you're saying is so important. Yeah. One last thing, because I know we're we're wrapping up here, but I did want to ask you, you know, we're talking about obviously people who are getting a little bit tired of the waiting game. What would you say to somebody who is just like at their wits end, like exhausted, like ready to throw in the towel and just give up? One, don't give up. The The reality is that a lot of times we're we're frustrated because we've been waiting, but it's like we've been waiting in the wrong line. Mm. And so once you get into the right line on the right path, then everything will start to accelerate. But you have to be willing to recognize that and acknowledge that and then walk over to the right line. But do not confuse your time in the wrong line with what the time will be in the right line. And that's where a lot of people have gone wrong. And, and again, I feel the need to say this, going back to like successful women, you have women who have been trained when they were young Focus on your career. Focus on your career. Forget these men, blah, blah, blah. And so from their 20s to their early 30s, that's all their life was about. That's what their life was focused on. Leaving out, cultivating themselves in a way that would make them a desired partner. Now, when you get to 30, so essentially you were in the wrong line in regards to receiving that relationship. Now you get to 30 and you're you're tired, you're worn out, you're discouraged. But again, you've been in the wrong line this whole time. And now when you get in the right one, I'm telling you, it won't be as long as you think. It, it, it can happen. And, I, and, and everyone's journey is different. So I don't want to like make a proclamation that it will happen in two weeks or two months or even a year. But I can tell you that it's going to be faster than you may realize. And it's going to be much, much more rewarding. And it's going to set you up for long-term success because all the friends around you who are jumping into these relationships and not uh, taking the right steps are paying for it. They're paying dearly. They're not happy. They're they're miserable in their relationship and that relationship is going to inevitably end. You don't want what they have. You want better than that. And to do that, you're going to have to put in the work. And as I said, you're going to have to start standing in the right line. I love that analogy. That is so good. Oh my gosh. 
thank <laughs> Stefan, thank you so much for being on today. And like I said earlier, I mean, I, I could honestly have you on here for 10 hours and I wish I could. <laughs> I want to encourage though anybody who's listening to get more from you. Where can they where can they find you? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Stefan Speaks, S-T-E-P-H-A-N Speaks on my website, www.stephanspeaks.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Wow, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Did you have any aha moments? I was kind of blown away when Stefan talked about the qualifications of Mrs. Wright not necessarily being what females think they are. And it also blew my mind when he talked about women stepping into their feminine with babies or kids as compared to men. Now, I don't have a kid, but I do have a dog. And I was like, damn, I'm so much sweeter to my dog than my fiance sometimes. And I should probably work on that. See, we all learned something this week. Um, I would love to hear what you guys liked, what you learned. Screenshot this episode and post it in your stories. Send me a DM. I want to hear from you. Also, oh no, we are not done here. As I promised in the beginning of this episode, I have a third parter to this week. One of my best friends in the world was a notorious serial dater. She tried everything, and I'm pretty sure I heard her say those famous Charlotte words, where is he? Several times. And on her 35th birthday this year, she just said, you know what? Fuck it. It's happening this year. And she did it. And I think it's so incredibly helpful to listen to experts in this area, but it's also pretty powerful to hear a real-life success story. So we're going to get into the whole journey and how she completely changed her entire dating strategy. But to hear that story, you will have to tune back in on Friday. That's right. We're trying something a little new with a bonus episode this week. And if you are already subscribed to the podcast, don't worry. You will get the episode delivered to you right on Friday morning. And if you're not subscribed, well, what are you waiting for? Come on, get on it. Uh, But seriously, the episode will be available on Friday. uh, So don't sweat it. And stay tuned for that because it's very fun. Um, But until then, have a great one, friends, and I'll see you next time.